What's up, everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Atlas. Today, we are featuring Angelo DeLulo. Is that correct? Yeah, DeLulo, but close enough. DeLulo. Nice, bro. DeLulo. Yeah, That's you got it. Is that Italian? Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. DeLulo. You got it. DeLulo. DeLulo. Angelo, so good to meet you, bro. Nice to meet you. I'm excited for this episode, simplyalwaysawake.com is the <clears throat> website. So simple. Three words. <laughs> There's like this simultaneity of their always being awake and yet also the appearance of falling asleep and then waking up. Mm. Do you feel similarly? Yeah. Well, when I uh, use the phrase or the, the terminology simply always awake, it's it's pointing to something that is actually in all of our experience uh, all the time. But our minds tend to uh, sort of simulate, I guess, to use your terminology, uh, uh, a structured reality uh, that sort of overlays this part of ourselves that we all know intuitively that is truly always awake, always at peace, always at rest. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and uh, the pointing really is that there's a, a possibility to to sort of wake up to that or wake up from the dream that there is separation in our environment and our experience. Um, and uh, very real shifts can and do happen, uh, experiential shifts in the way we perceive reality, perceive ourselves, perceive the world. Um, and perceived boundaries. And so that's really what the website and the book are are addressing. So cool. So then there's the website and then there's also the book, which is uh, linked in the bio also, Awake, It's Your Turn, mm -hmm. A Guide to Awakening. And that definitely also uh, covers what you just shared a moment ago, which is it's basically a game of feeling separation or not. Mm. And then what what is your how for when people say I'm feeling separation? Like, what do you point them to? Well, before the how, there has to be the what and what I mean by that is it's very easy to talk about subjects like this or this subject or spirituality or transformation and identity and so forth. And for it to remain completely conceptual, which yes. is fine. Um, but the first barrier, the first boundary that um, one has to cross before they really intuit what this is about is to see through that illusion that what we take ourselves to be in a mental way, the mental constructs, the beliefs, the sense of my past, my life uh, story, all of that, uh, while it has its place, is not deeply true, but most importantly, it's not deeply satisfying. So often the first pointer that something could potentially shift is suffering actually, is a feeling of dissatisfaction, uh, unsatisfactoriness, something just uncomfortable in life. So, <clears throat> excuse me, this is just allergies. 
so while some people do sort of start to investigate this this path through just general curiosity and so forth, many people, if not most, um, the, the first real step to authenticity is to start to recognize that we do have a sort of uh, suffering that goes on underneath our layers of identity that keep us in this place of feeling safe and feeling oriented and so forth. Um, and without that initial recognition, that sense that there's something more, something beyond uh, that is non-conceptual, uh, then the how doesn't really get you very far. It's, it's, it's really a matter of uh, recognition first sort of thing. So um, <clears throat> that's why I orient the book the way I do. The whole first chapter is kind of pointing to this and trying to give the reader a sense of what I'm talking about. And it will either be, typically, the reader either picks up a sense of, oh, I know exactly what this is. I know exactly what this book is pointing to. And it's been there my whole life, and I've wanted to address it. Or it'll be something like, no, like, this is not interesting to me. Uh, or even kind of scary, like, I, I don't want to open that door sort of thing. So I really tried in the first chapter to use certain kind of language, nuanced um, communication to uh, help anyone reading uh, get a sense of what it is we're actually pointing to. And if you get that sense, or once you get that sense, then we can start talking about the hows. Sweet. So then what would you say you're pointing to, and then we can go to the hows? Um, you remember, you told me to tell you if you freeze, your visual yeah. has frozen. Okay. Is it, let me know if it comes back. Sure. Bit. Is it still frozen? <clears throat> yeah. At least on my end it is. I see my face moving, but yours is just frozen. That's weird. On my end, it's showing up in high res, and we felt okay. like this, this might this might happen. But we're um, good now. Okay. All right. Let me know if that let me know if that happens again. But yeah, keep going. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, you're you're a little you're slightly choppy, but now you're moving, and I can see your face and everything. So it's not okay. frozen. Okay. Cool. Um. Sorry. What was the last question? <clears throat> Let's do the what the pointing is to, right, first, mm -hmm. and then we'll yeah. do the how. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, um, again, the, the trick with this, so the tricky part with this is when we talk about what I'm pointing to with language, language definitely has, uh, has limitations. Um, I've learned to speak uh, about this that I point to in clever ways, using language or using pointings and so forth. But... Ultimately, um, language will kind of get you to to a certain a certain edge, and you kind of have to step over that edge. Um, so I can point to it in various ways, but the you have to sort of take that intuition and move beyond where your mind gets you because this is beyond concepts. Because the the sort of simulation, so to speak, is made out of concepts. It's made out of the mental sense of past, present well, really even present, but past and future, like a timeline. And it's made out of separation, the sense of being a self here in a body and the world being out there. So those sense, the sense of separation in space and time is the overlay and it's cognitive in nature. So it has um, um, a, certain, <clears throat> a, a certain fixed structure that feels enclosed, that feels... Um, uh, again, unsatisfactory. And so the, the, the key to this that I'm pointing to is to feel 
to feel your way just beyond that, to, to recognize, oh, there actually is something here in my experience right now that is not bound by my mental um, overlay of self and other, subject and object, of distance, of there being separate objects in my environment that I'm apart from. Um, and I have to navigate all those objects and people and situations to try to make my life better. And it's kind of like a struggle all the time that all of that is created by the movement of mind, by cognitive processes. And this, the, the ability to sense just beyond that is kind of the first step. The first step is to say, okay, yes, I can see how all of the ways my mind puts together time and space, et cetera, I don't actually find in this immediate environment. For instance, very specifically past and future, you can imagine the past all day long, but it doesn't suddenly cause the past to appear in your present, right? So we can imagine past events, past conversations, et cetera. We never actually change the fact that whatever's here right now is what's here. We didn't bring the past into the present, yeah? So it's a mental construct clearly. And yet we spend a lot of our time contemplating that. Similarly, the future, we imagine the future, we imagine a future conversation, even mundane things, right? What's going to happen five minutes from now, or in the next room I walk into, we're kind of living in that world of the future. Well, what happens when we realize, oh, that's actually not happening either. We're suddenly left in a sort of um, um, unfiltered present, yeah, I mean, some, some people refer to it just as presence or as the now and so forth. But um, you can even sort of wake up from the sense of there being a now in reference to a past and a future, because that's still looking through a mental construct. When you see there's no past and future, there's really also no now. There's only what is. And it's just right here. Um, and so what it is I'm pointing to, what it is I'm uh, describing, uh, you could say is, reality unfiltered by mind, which actually turns out looks very different and it feels very different than the way we put things together with our minds, not even purposely. It's it's a habituated experience and we all share it collectively. It's like the matrix. Um, so when you uh, start to experience reality unfiltered, it actually feels quite different. It feels much less structured, much less solid, much less heavy. It's it has a sort of vastness to it. It's also quite paradoxical um, because near and far stop making sense in direct experience. Um, past, future, present don't really make a lot of sense. Um, there's a there's a distinct sense of intimacy of kind of like childlike innocence uh, that you almost remember from childhood, uh, but it's not a memory. It's it's again it's instinct that is suddenly sort of rediscovered. And what's so wild is that innocence and that that um, intimacy of experience uh, is uncaused. It's not like you find an object and go, well, there's the there's the intimacy, like another person or a relationship. It's, it's not like that. It's already here. And so it's paradoxical. There's 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 a sort of emptiness to it in a sense. There's a when the simulation is not um, uh, believed, then what's behind the simulation is, is almost like a lot of space. And yet there's a, there's a clear intimacy to it. And we're also far more um, attuned to the senses, sound and sensation, but they they aren't um, momentary events. They're, they're 
deeply immersive uh, experiences. And these experiences don't even have a subject object, meaning a person experiencing the sound. It's just sound hearing and it's the loudest thing in the room. It's, it's quite, again, intimate is the word I use a lot. So that's what I'm really pointing to is a, a way to live uh, without experiencing the filters of mind, which are <clears throat> pervasive actually in our experience for most people. Cool, bro. So is the filters that you describe, would you say that those are added on like onion layers to humans when they're born? And that uh, there is the possibility of like baby uh, never putting on those filters? Uh, I would say they are. Oh, first of all, you froze again. Um, so I should mention that. Uh, they oh. are. Yeah, they are somewhat like layers, although um it's not usually until the layers have come off that it becomes obvious how those layers were constructed in a sense it's not like you as you're growing up you go okay i'm going to put on the layer of self at 18 months old you start to actually perceive the most fundamental sense of self you don't decide okay i'm going to put that on right because who would be deciding that the most fundamental layer of self is is just basic self-awareness like reflection in a mirror you know oh that's me um and then a sense of uh, being able to perceive that other people have internal experiences of a self, which is called theory of mind. That happens between three and four years old. So it's not like we choose to put the, we don't have the complex enough mind at that point cognitively to actually know we're doing it, but physiologically it's already happening. So yeah, they are like onion layers in a sense, and they do sort of come off like layers, but you're not aware as you're, as you're adding them on growing up and developing a self and so forth, you're also not really aware, even as they're coming off, you're, you're aware something's happening for sure, but you don't, you wouldn't be this articulate about it until deeper realization. And, and, and later on, it starts to become clear. Oh, I see. Because what, what you actually wake up to is very hard to describe. It's, it, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of subtlety to it. It's very obvious. Um, it's more obvious actually than the than the uh more i guess more intuitively obvious than the the layers of mind and the cognitive distortions that i would call um the the causes of this feeling of being in a separate a world of separate uh, objects and so forth this the environment of separation um so the the what you wake up to is actually more subtle than that in a sense but it's also more obvious it's more real it's more real than real so um, because it's subtle, because of its subtlety, it's actually quite hard to talk about with language because language doesn't really fit over this, as I described earlier. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really not until later on, uh, after a lot of these layers have come off, that you start to really get what happened and how, how these layers came off. But you don't really care. It's not like you want to understand it. In fact, you feel free of the sense of having to understand things all the time. Right? Because if we want to understand things often, we, we want to understand so that we can make ourselves feel better because our identity is tied into concepts. Um, after realization, understanding is, is fine, it's fun, but it's, it does, it's like our identity is not on the line anymore. We don't feel like we have to understand to defend ourselves or to feel better or anything like that because the, the, the joy of just being alive is uncaused. It's not something we have to learn about or understand and so forth. So, um, so it is like layers of onion of an onion, but it's not always obvious as it's occurring. 
So very similarly to Panjali back 2000 plus years ago. So you have yoga or union or awakeness being just the cessation of the fluctuations of mind. So it sounds like you're describing fluctuations of mind being like the matrix, being like uh, feeling a sense of self and then connecting every sensation or experience to that localized sense of self. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah, I would say that's a good way of saying it. And calming the, the turmoil of consciousness of the mind um, is part of it. But what it really comes down to is not just quieting the mind or calming or stopping the mind, because you do that every night, actually, in deep sleep. The mind gets extremely quiet. There's, there's no content. But, but you don't just wake up enlightened, right? Like everybody doesn't wake up from deep sleep enlightened. So just stopping the mind or turning off the mind or turning, calming down the, uh, the fluctuations in consciousness in and of itself um, doesn't necessarily wake you up, but it can be helpful. So through meditation, through samadhi practices, calming consciousness while you're awake, knowingly calming consciousness and remaining conscious can be extremely helpful. Um, but uh, I would also add that I would, I, I, in my experience, even more potent sorts of um, practices are like inquiry, inquiry practice, um, uh, interacting with somebody who's gone through this. Uh, um, that, that can be very helpful, just the transmission of it. Uh, but yeah, it, it is very much like that. And then the second part of what you said, uh it, you're blurry now sorry i don't know if you want to keep giving me keep giving me these reports but yeah i think i think you can, you can keep giving me some you've you've also gently froze a couple times a little bit but okay. um okay. So maybe both of our internets are not uh too spectacular right now we could also yeah. we could also switch to zoom and just record and then upload as another possibility um i do like having a going live though um, was this last bit okay in terms of uh, audio and video? Uh, I th I think so. I mean, I can't tell what I look and sound like, but um, I'm just like Oh, in you terms know, of like, on my end, on your end, you're still good. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. I can always hear you. It's just your mostly your image that changes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, well, just, wanted, can... I just wanted to let you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We can keep letting each other know as, as needed throughout like okay. when that thing does happen. Um, okay. But Sounds good. Yeah, it, I think it is feeling good to, to stream, but it's good to know moving forward that when internet connection is sometimes fluctuating um, to just record to zoom and then upload, it can be better. Um, so this last part was fine though, for me, you can always hear me okay. and then the video was okay. Was that the case? Yeah. On, Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're saying the audio is fine over here too, so. Oh, in the chat, yeah? Okay, yeah. cool. That's good. Um, that's good. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, and the second the second part of what you asked, um, I thought was really good. And you, you had asked um, or mentioned about, actually, you may have to remind me what it was now. Well, the, yeah, the first part was about quieting the mind we were talking about. So we were, we were talking about how that is great to basically be able to do some inquiry during daytime, um, just throughout the day is to always be inquiring um, and to just always be dissolving any sense of self that's arising, um, to not relate sensation and experience to a sense of self. That's fantastic. Um, and then to be with somebody that 
emanates this awakeness um, also is another great for transmission and whatnot. Um, so Sangha, basically, in the triple gem in Buddhism, surrounding yourself with other awake community. Um, and then I was interested in the how also, um, but it might not be the exact uh, right time for it, but it feels like it could be. Um, but I but I also really appreciated just the depth of how you were explaining it through all these different like facets to, to the diamond of, of awakeness. Um, I think that's really crucial. And... Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked how we were talking earlier about the um, even the onion layers building up and how uh, and then and then dissolving and how you're not really aware of that process until you're like 30 or whatever and you're waking up and you can actually you're actually quite realized and you're quite convicted and you can actually explain it. Then you kind of realize that that was the process happening. Um, but I would also like to talk more about like the direct perception of what you're referencing with awakeness and what, um, like if you feel that this is just it talking to itself or reality talking to itself, it's not like a distorted, um, sense of self of Atlas talking to Angelo. It can be the appearance of that, but really it's life talking to itself or the one talking to itself, reality. So is it somewhat like that for what you would explain is like the awakeness? Yeah, I would. I would say it is really even simpler than that. It's just reality appearing. So there's not a sense of Atlas and Angelo uh, at, at the root of experience. There's really just form and movement, shape, sound, sensations. But even those aren't distinct. They're they're all it's 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 like synesthesia. They're they're they, they are sort of gateways or entry points, but beyond that, it's really unconditioned. There's, it's the experience of, of the unconditioned or uh, sort nice. of indeterminacy. And, and the funny thing about indeterminacy is like the mind does not, is not interested in that because it, it can't get a foothold anywhere. It's kind of like the, mm-hmm. cult, the first koan in Zen Buddhism, uh, Renzai Zen at least, is mu, typically. What is mu? You can't even start to answer that question cognitively, but there is very much an answer, right? Um, what is mu? There's an answer to that, and it tends to be the first awakening. Um, so it, it's similar to that in that there's no way I can actually talk about what this is exactly in one sense because it's too close. It's too simple, too obvious, too close, too. Um, but also, mm-hmm. the moment you say anything about it, it's already different. Reality is constantly in flux. It's just it, there's. It, but again, very paradoxically, the sum total of all fluctuations is nothing at all. So it's also not moving. So it's moving and unmoving at the same time. It's real and unreal at the same time. This is very direct pointing. And some teachers sort of point this way constantly. They, it's, it's like a uh, yeah. constant pointing from the absolute, which is okay, but it can have some downsides to it. Um, it can blow some people out. It can be just too, uh, too direct. Uh, and it can also become... Um, it can also become conceptual, actually. Like you can learn that instead of actually realize it. So yeah. I try, I, I try not to fixate too much in the relative or the absolute. I try to work with a certain individual uh, in a moment-to-moment experience of what they're experiencing as they're waking up. I try to yeah. sort of just feel into that and work from where they are. Nice. So it's so the relative aspect is really what matters with this because. If I'm honest, I don't really have a philosophical interest in it. There's not because philosophically, there's nothing to solve. It's like if you if you live in the ocean 
do you want to read a book about how to find the ocean? You don't, it doesn't matter, right? It's not, it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, so, but when someone wants to wake up, uh, they have my attention. When I feel energetically or when I'm interacting with somebody who is clearly suffering and not only are they suffering, but they, they sense the root of the suffering is this dream of separation and they really want to wake up, um, move, they're moved to wake up, even if they don't know what that means. And often they don't, which is fine. That's, that's when this engagement starts. That's when the, uh, you could say the ball gets rolling. So it's very situational. It's very based on conditions. So I don't walk around talking about this subject like on a day-to-day -day basis to people, except in this context, which is now day-to-day -day for me. But like when I'm at work or with casual friends, there's no reason to bring it up. Um, so yeah, it, everything is conditions-based. Uh, there's in Buddhism, the, there's the, the uh, phraseology uh, transient nature that at some point you realize transient nature is the nature of, of this, it's unconditioned. So anything that you try to attach to that's transient, which is literally everything you can describe, talk about, touch, pick up, anything that feels like an object, separate, distinct, in time, it's all transient. So anytime you attach to that, that's, that's what causes suffering ultimately. To be completely free of any attachment to uh, that which is transient, which is, again, anything you can pick up, touch, talk about, uh, describe, uh, uh, to be free of that is is real freedom it's 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 deeply peaceful and the beauty of it it's it's flexible it's it's peaceful in in generally any situation regardless of conditions um so so that's kind of how it tends to flow it's 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 a in, a in a certain sense it's kind of a strange way to live um but again in five minutes i'll have a different impression and in 10 minutes there'll be another impression because reality constantly changes it's kind of like a, a set of dice that keeps throwing itself, just recombining into different types of realities, different types of expressions. But when you don't stand yeah. apart from it and try to make a mental model of it constantly, then you can actually fully be swallowed up by it in a sense or fully immersed into it. And then it surprisingly is very enjoyable. It's very enjoyable to not know, to not um, need to hold on to anything specific, uh, to, to just really enjoy the ride of being alive. I love this. I'm going to um, say goodbye to friends on Facebook. Love you guys. We're only going to be streaming to YouTube moving forward. So just go to uh, youtube.com forward slash simulation series. You can keep watching there. Okay. So now it should be even better uh, now that we're only going to one platform. Um, okay. Cool. Sweet. Um, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much good stuff there. Um, okay, so I love the uh, the totally unconditioned view. Um, mm -hmm. The totally unconditioned nature. So, here you want to hear something really bizarre about this? Yeah, it's not even a view. That that in yeah. fact, the almost the most fundamental aspect of the sense of separate self is actually what some something you might call an inherent view the the tendency to form a view at all it, it's so mm -hmm. interesting and, and it can be a 
everyone's different, but for some people it can be very sticky. This part can be very sticky for them. It can be really challenging to let go of. Whereas well, other people I tried to change the word to nature right after I said it. Oh yeah, no, no. It's not <laughs> yeah, a criticism yeah. of you at all, but I was just wanted to point that out that like, it is interesting that right at the almost event horizon where it, beyond that is really the unconditioned, the, the most fundamental thing, it's it's a very, it's not even an opinion. It's not an opinion type view. It's it's a it's energetic. Weird. Yeah, it's an energetic frame of reference that the mind is still trying to get to get its first foothold to build the story, to build out the, the narrative and the sense of separation. Um, and yeah. It, I like what you called it an event horizon. That's also like an event that's a really important part um, to the uh, to the non-being or the non-existence or the the emptiness or the nirvana on the other side of the the initial formation of any type of view or any type of perception or any type of idea or concept mm -hmm. or any like or dislike craving attachment whatever just mm -hmm. from right yeah from right there into the beingness into the existenceness is then all of the different blah, 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 samsaric stuff. Uh, and so cute, like to be able to like feel that because it is really like an event horizon more than anything. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. Also, as you were mentioning all of that, I thought to say this, this may be helpful for anyone listening, but the unconditioned that we're talking about, it's, it's not a thing, it's, it's all of this, but um, it, you're right that it has no, has no preference, it has no specific frame of reference or referencing isn't something it, it, it's concerned with. Um, it, it, and there's certainly no separation, boundaries, anything like that. And that's, that's literally right here, right? Um, for everyone, actually. So, uh, the, but the thing I want to add to that is our mind will get a hold of that, sometimes hearing that, and it'll think, I'm gonna walk around, well, let me say it this way. It will it will think that, uh, let's say a liberated being, a liberated person um, would have no preference. And it, it, it can, you, can mis you can mistakenly interpret that if you look at somebody and say, well, you know, I don't know, Dalai Lama or Adi Shanti, or I don't, there, there are people out there who are quite liberated. You could look at them and say, well, sure, they, but they prefer food, eating food to eating poison, right? <laughs> or, or something like that. Like the body-mind doesn't lose intelligence in that way. The key, though, the key is I, at the level of identity. But there's yeah. not identity tied into um, preferences. There's not identity tied into relationality, needing to relate all the time to experiences and objects around you and, and navigating and negotiating that constantly requires a ton of energy when that that can actually completely stop and it stops ultimately it really stops when identity stops when the sense of identity as a construct itself subsides when that happens everything changes but you, you don't lose the ability even to, to look at your own body and, and experience and go well yeah i mean i i prefer eating i don't know pizza to horseradish or something like that you can still reflect and see that the tendencies can be there on a physical level, on a physiologic level, in the relative sense, or you could say the conventional sense, but there really is no identity behind any of it, and that makes all the difference because it's very heavy. The sense of identity is far heavier than we really realize typically until it subsides, and then things get very light. Yeah, so good, for sure. Identity is so at the core of it. So well said. 
Yeah, and either this is uh, all the one with itself, self, capital S, with itself, however you want to share that, uh, or it's no self in the sense that there isn't a, a distinct, separate uh, sense of self among us, but there is only energy dancing, appearing, playing with itself, blah, blah. Um, and so it's just, it's really sweet. And it's really important, like you said, it's if, if the most important thing above everything with awakeness, from what, from what I've understood, is that it has to be like a felt moment-to-moment -moment, um, vibration or frequency, um, like that's just continued, basically, above everything else. So above everything else, there's like this constant stream of inquiry, you could say, that's just pervading um, your existence. Above everything else is just like this... This sol this um, above like in the north star position is just a constant stream of inquiry that into the nature of self, into the nature of sensation, uh, into the nature of reality that just is running in the background. You know, Frank, a good friend, Frank Yang, has called it like a contemplative fitness AI. That's just mm -hmm. constantly running. Yeah, yeah, and I I love that way of expressing it too. And then even that to an extent. As it as as you've exhausted in a sense all association throughout the day, nonstop, every day, uh, it also subsides because all there all that's left is just what is. Um, yes. And that's yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you're saying is is very true. It's clear. I would I would like modify it slightly just for because not because what you said is wrong, but just because language is tricky, and just to continue the conversation that. That's exactly right. Inquiry, if done properly, and I try to really describe it in my chapter in the book. Um, well, you can't really do it improperly as long as your heart's in the right place and you're really curious about reality. What is self? What is thought? What is anything, right? What is solidity? If you're really curious, you really can't really do it wrong, but there are some nuances that you can attune, tune into and, and inquiry can become very powerful. Um, but what I really try to do in that chapter is attune people to inquiry in a way that when these self layers start to fall away, that's what's already happening. You'll, you'll see that it is. It's like there's no one doing the inquiry, but there's an absolute fascination with, with reality, just being fascinated with itself, coming into being out of absolutely nothing all the time. It's crazy, but it's doing it. Yeah. And it's, yes, it's, yes. Just, it's literally a radical fascination. But it's like also I want to point out like, it's not like the inquiry is in the background. It, it is, but it's also in the foreground. And there, and it, and it's looking to see: is there a difference between a background and a foreground? And all of a sudden, the background and foreground are one and the same. So now, what does space even mean? What does distance even mean? Right? It's that's the kind. It's going on all the time. Yeah. It's just this fascination with reality, being fascinated with itself, and never even happening at all. Nothing is moving at all, and that's shiata emptiness. You know, unconditioned. So. Um, Frank's right on the money. It's exactly, I, I, I know, I, I don't know him personally, but I've watched a couple of videos and he's very, he's, he's right on it. So um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it really becomes indescribable. <laughs> nice. And another one that uh, came up while you're sharing was the, like the still flame or, um, movement and not moving at all at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And just like the piece at the same time as the exterior artistry. 
Um, there's just uh, there's a spontaneity or like a bounciness that comes with the artistry when it's like free. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not referencing like a self image um, all the time, basically. Um, the default mode, you could say, or the mind mode or the matrix mode is to always be filtering everything through a sense of self image. Um, yes. And then that at some point drives you so crazy <laughs> with suffering. <laughs> so then it's like the drill sergeant of like fucking waking up. And then, um, and then there's like just what feels like slowly like this, like just dissolving of all attachment to self image. Um, and then just like associating oneself identity wise more and more with, nothing and everything at the same time. Um, and of course, something also, um, and just covering all the bases and just feeling like really good that, uh, to be like identity, like to be so entangled in no identity and something and everything all at the same time. Um, and, um, and I, yeah, and I just, I feel like that, that's at the core. I, we're talking about like the last 20 minutes or so, which is great. Um, so we've been, for those that are curious, like, um, you know, when we were talking earlier, and you and I mentioned that just even the calming down of the fluctuations of mind, like using the breath as a tool, is a really good how to basically bring a steady, uh, concentration or focus to your moment-to-moment -moment experience of sensations and sense of self. And then from there, it becomes easier and easier to liberate yourself from self-image into this awakeness. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned... Um, um, man, I lost it. I'm, I'm with you right here so uh, everything you say it just disappears but <laughs> um okay with consciousness specifically uh with calming calming the mind um again you know meditation meditative practice can be helpful following the breath all these different things um but i just want to point out for anyone listening that um i i generally i do this different ways with everyone everyone wakes up differently but i generally do emphasize um a first shift, a first awakening. It's it's very Zen-like. This is very Renzai Zen-like, actually, and it tends to be um, the people I work directly with. It tends to tends to happen that there's a very very distinct and abrupt shift that happens, which is probably the biggest shift you'll ever experience, um, as far as contrast is concerned. And it's the first big awakening Kensho, um, and it is what it does actually is it's a it's a it, it, if you can make the mind one pointed enough through inquiry, self-inquiry can work, inquiry into the nature of thought and who's the thinker, inquiry into the nature of consciousness itself, which is what the thought is formed out of, what the thought is made out of, what it subsides back into, and what it appears out of. It's all consciousness. Yeah. It's all that thought, that thought game. So you can inquire into the nature of that so continuously that it just becomes nothing but that, or just a very one-pointed approach by just boring into something like moo. What is moo? something that no concept can get a hold of, and yet you can just become more and more and more one-pointed with Moo until it's just Moo, Mooing, Moo. So how, however you do this, 
that you can get to this point where the mind is so concentrated or conscious, there's such a one pointed approach inside of consciousness that an actual reset happens. It really is a reset in consciousness and it, it can be tremendously, a tremendous release for people. It's very life altering for many people, um, for, for almost everyone really. Uh, but from then on, it's actually much easier to access this unbound consciousness, this ability to, to remain in consciousness uh, with really no content, no thought content. And then, and from there, you realize pretty much all the content of your life is thought content, right? The, everything is mind. Every Everything you can make into an object of any kind at all really is made out of thought. And this is how some people with that first awakening start to perceive everything is made out of consciousness. Like there's no external world, it's all consciousness out there. And that's a, that's a reasonable interpretation of that stage of realization. It does go beyond that for sure. But from that place, it is so freeing because you can just stop and just experience yourself and everything as consciousness that it really can be with no content. It's like the big S, the self with the big S, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, calming the mind, meditative practices, all that's great. But if you really want to dig into this, uh, then I often sort of push people a little bit toward that. I, I say, you know, develop a one-pointed approach or just orient to the nature of thought itself and really find out what's in there. What is consciousness? What is, what is the sense of you as the thinker right now that's never changed throughout your life when you've been awake and yet the thoughts change all the time? What is that? Is it apart from the thoughts? That kind of thing. So I, I really try to orient people to that because after that big reset in consciousness, the first awakening, it's much easier, much, much easier to address these further layers, the layers of separation, the layers of inherent view, uh, the layers of the reactive self, the relational self. These are all just mechanisms of selfing. Um, <laughs> they're much more, they're much more easy. To, those are the layers that still feel like self, even when you know there's not a self, right? There's still the things that catch you and make you feel contracted. So it's much easier to address. I love it as a verb. It's so funny. Yeah. That's I love it, it as a, as a verb. Yeah. Selfing is so, mm -hmm. that's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That it's an actual like movement of, of consciousness is, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's tied to a sense of self or not, or going yeah. through the process of inquiring into that sense of self. Um, it's, yeah, so, it's actually so, a very small collection of mental faculties. It's really just a handful of things that, that continue to create a very seemingly solid sense of self. And yet, if you just one by one, you, you disassemble those or you inquire into them deeply enough that you see there's actually no self doing that. And with non-duality specifically, the sense of there's not actual boundaries like formlessness, you're actually inquiring into the, you're really inquiring into the nature of, of the relationship of thought or mind to the senses themselves that's ultimately what it is but it's you know it's like is there actually a boundary if i can look at an object i can look at my hand how long does the how long does attention stay there before it starts popping back into mind to reference something in thought meaning narrative uh, labels about what i'm looking at often the narratives are about the practice like oh am i experiencing this well so and so said that is it that wait a minute that's all thought put your attention right back there right that's very, very hard to do before awakening. It's it's surprisingly hard to do, direct, and I call it direct experience. So once you have access to direct experience, um, th these these further layers are not that hard to, to disassemble. It takes some shadow work often though, really. I mean, you really, sometimes the stickiness that keeps pulling you into mind is about 
certain kinds of traumas or whatever your vasanas are, you know, your collection of, of baggage you need to work with. And sometimes you have to go back and do that, like really look through the emotion body and find out what's going on, feel things that you've not been feeling all your life and uh, in a very direct way that you might not want to, and then find the resistance patterns and see what is resistance anyway, what is it even made out of energetically and like these direct investigations. So, yeah. Oof, so good. Ooh. I'm just checking out the comments over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hello, everybody. Everyone, how are we uh, still doing on uh, audio and video? Are we still doing okay? Um, let us know in the comments how it's how it's going. You've been great, by the way, in terms of audio and video on my end. Uh, oh, good. Occasionally, there's a little video thing, but... Uh, Otherwise, it's good. And uh, and me right now, you can hear me clearly. Okay, the video is okay. Uh, your video freezes on occasion. It'll just freeze in a, but it's always a nice posture. It's always a good look on your face or something, and then like a contemplative look, and then it starts moving. But your sound has been perfect from from my end. Cool, cool. good, good. Okay. Oh man. Mm. So, it's so good. Um, Okay, I feel like it would be relevant to um, to play a bit on what you were just sharing with um, some like steps and stages, and then um, some hows along that. So let's see if we can do a little recap. So um, we have like we have a hmm, we're we're very like drawn to. Uh, the, to what appears like the physical world and we're very drawn and like attached to that and all the objects and all the the differences and the separation. And we don't really even recognize that there's like consciousness that, that kind of everything is like dependent on. And then, and then we like, so the first sort of shift is like away from the senses and away from the physical objects and the separation and the distinction to like, okay, well, what is the thing that is conscious or sentient or aware of everything and then then you get to oh okay so um this has to be the ground like sentience or consciousness has to be like some sort of a ground and then 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 there's more of like an impersonalization or a transpersonalization you could say of that consciousness into like oh this is all the same observer all the same consciousness um which is infinite and like it's a, a, a universe is like what we are and we like we made a universe to like to explore and like okay uh uh-huh so there's another stage and then and then i think then uh like which i think a lot of people also end on that as a ground which i think is a great uh place also to to speak about realization i think that's also a great place like um but then I think this next one is where um, I think is kind of like where the athletes of consciousness like to go um, or the Olympics of consciousness are played, which is where um, there's an investigation of the nature of self on a moment to moment basis, the nature of experience and sensation and self image and the way that I, I appear and I try and extract something from another self or, I want to be seen in a specific way, so I say so I say specific words to try and get something. Um, 
to fill some sort of a lack belief that I've had about myself since childhood. Like you indicated, it can be very traumatic from being a kid as well. Um, and so then there's like a much more of a moment to moment inquiry into the nature of sensation experience self and liberating oneself more and more into the unconditionality. Um, and I would say that that is then the awakeness. Is that about a somewhat similar way that you would share the levels? Yeah. You, you actually summarized it really, really well. I'll just add a little bit in as, as I go through that same model. But as you described, Ooh. the first big shift is like, wow. I mean, you, you just have this access to unbound consciousness, unbound being, really beingness of what you've taken yourself to be. All of a sudden, that just expands out into infinity. And some people perceive it as like a sense of pure sense of I am, not a thought of I am, but the sense that I am is the most primary thing that can be experienced. And it's self-validating and it's more real than anything you took to be real before. And that and, and other people, it, it goes, it's a little more, it goes a little bit more almost to what you described as the transpersonal, where there is that sense of pure consciousness, but then there's like something that's even almost more thin going on and and that. So that shift, that that new place you find identity in a sense, let's say, um, or identity just dilates out into infinity in a sense. That is like waking, it is like waking up from the matrix, really, that first shift. But what I often say is what comes after that is like you're you actually wake up from one matrix and you're kind of in another one. But it's a very different kind of matrix. It's it's far bigger, it's far more flexible. It's like it's like the matrix's safety mechanism to keep you in in the big in the real matrix because <laughs> you wake up from one and that can be also part of your story. So um, so this really is that first shift, that first awakening really is the beginning of the true spiritual progression, oh, spiritual in quotes, if, if you think of it this way. But it's the, the progression of realization. It, it's, it's the first and very important shift, stream entry, let's call it. Um, the, 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 what's interesting is the way you proceed beyond that, if you do it all. And as you said, a lot of people that's, I don't know if it's just based on conditions and so forth or, or what it is. I feel often it's based on something in the background from the human level, emotional things and so forth that keep you not wanting to look deeper in a way. It's, it's like a little bit of fear barrier still there is often what keeps people there, but it, but it's, but it's common that people sort of stay there for a long time after. Um, so I think we're changing things. I think with the, like the internet, with, you know, Adi Shanti, Frank Yang, Gangaji, like you have, you can turn on, YouTube and see enlightened beings and, 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 and literally vibe with them immediately on the video. You don't have to go meet them. It's amazing. I think we're changing that. I think people are starting to actually wake up deeper, probably more, probably faster. Um, and certainly in greater numbers, I'm, I'm almost positive of that. And I've talked to many people who have been in this sort of teaching thing for a lot longer than I have. Um, and they, they tend to agree, but, but yeah, the, the way you approach realization beyond that first uh, realization, before, before, before that first awakening, uh, is just different. And it's different, and you have to kind of look at it in different ways. Um, you have to look for subtle things. But, but on the other side of things, you have to do the personal work. You have to do shadow work at some level. You just have to, because that's the easiest way to not wake up further, is, is to like just not see something in yourself, to convince yourself you're enlightened. You know, and then go convince other people you're enlightened, which can get into some really weird stuff. So, um, so yeah, the the ways that you investigate identity beyond uh, consciousness are reasonably subtle, somewhat specific, um, and require a modicum of humility, 
willingness to be vulnerable, to feel and see, and mostly feel things you haven't wanted to feel and you've built identities to avoid feeling. We all do it. Everyone's done it. Uh, and so, so you've got to kind of look in different places. You can't just meditate yourself into enlightenment, like after that, by trying to have nervy culpa samadhi 24-7. Like, that's not the answer. And from, from here on, it's, it's part of the answer. Meditation is great, and you, you should keep doing it and keep inquiring. But it's important to inquire in certain places. And this is where I, I put this very early in the book. But this piece of advice, if I could give one, one piece of advice for the whole spiritual journey, there's probably a handful, but one I think that's probably the most important or at the top is be willing to be uncomfortable. Like don't convince yourself that this whole process is going to be nothing but bliss and, and peace and mind expanding cosmic experiences. You're going to probably have those, but that's not all you're going to have. Just trust me on this. Um, people I work with that are very, very sincere about this and, and wake up and it's the, their priority in life. And they wake up to very deep and nuanced stages of realization, they go through a lot and, and, but they're willing to do it, you know, and, and we're all, you know, there are, there are days when I don't want to do it and you don't want to do it and, and whatever, but there are, you have to have some commitment and willingness to go through the root of suffering, right? You have to, you have to get to the root of it. You have to find out what it's about. And, oh, this is one thing I want to address that you mentioned before when the suffering is what sort of prompts us in the first place, but it really turns out that suffering is grace, right? Without that suffering, without that huge doubt mass, without feeling like a prisoner in my own mind at, from the time I was, I don't know, like 10 to 24 years old, I don't know if I would have done this. It, it takes a lot to actually break through these barriers, uh, a lot of surrender, a lot of willingness to let go. So um, so in retrospect, suffering really is grace. Um, if you don't, you know, if you don't go completely unconscious and use it to perpetuate violence or something. Uh, but it's the raw fuel of awakening for sure. So be willing to, to feel everything that you're going to have to feel. You're going to feel things you don't want to feel. Every single person who goes through this will feel things they don't want to feel by definition. Because again, identity is actually structured to avoid pain, um, to avoid things we don't want to see. But when that pain is a, a result of identity, then we have to actually go into it. We have to see it clearly for identity to disentangle itself so we can truly know what freedom is. Nice. I remember Andrew Hewson also on our show said that the suffering or the pain or the fear, all those um, are the divine fuel. And so if there's like an, a new relationship that we make, like you're suggesting to um, the nature of sensation and experience where we're recognizing it as a uh, as a school or for the one, for itself. Um, and that style approach is um, to see it as divine fuel, it, uh, to like, to just feel that as divine fuel, it just changes everything. Um, and I, I love that. But, so that would be your one big like takeaway is to like tune into how everything that arises is like divine fuel for the one to wake up to itself. Yep. Another way of saying that is there's a lot of talk of presence now, right? In, in pop culture, in uh, wellness culture, in, in awakening, all of it, presence, right? And, and, and everyone knows what presence is at some level, of course. Uh, but what I often will, will point out to people is like presence can be blissful, peaceful, contentless, um, intimate. It's wonderful, right? But it can also be sadness, 
sadness is present. Like when there's sadness, that's presence. Presence is expressing as sadness or anger or frustration. Like all of those experiences are truly Buddha nature, right? Everything ultimately is awake nature. It is. Uh, so that doesn't exclude anything. So when you find something comes up from your unconscious and it's like, oh my God, there's shame. I'm feeling shame. Feel it. Feel it. Don't deny it. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't tell yourself I'm, I'm too awake for that. It's, that's nonsense. It's, it's, it's an experience. Every experience is allowed. Reality doesn't filter experiences. It doesn't have a problem with any experience. It's, it's perfectly okay. Everything is perfectly okay here. Um, and uh, that kind of willingness, you know, that, that is probably, I don't know if it's my number one. My number one advice, honestly, my number one piece of advice is trust that there is a, that there is a, that there's a way out of suffering, really. Like if you're suffering and, and some something, some glimmer inside you picks up this message we're talking about and, and, and says, yes, I know that. Like I've heard this so many times from people. Like I remember that from childhood or yeah, and there was this time when, it, you know, for a week I could feel it all the time. And don't, um, don't discount that. Don't discount your intuition that, that you have. There's an ability to live in peace, to live in intimacy, spontaneity, enjoyment of life, uh, and orient to that. Give yourself permission to orient to that, even though the social matrix does not value it. The social matrix values whatever it values, right? It values relationships, money, success, fame, health, um, uh, competition, like different things. This is none of those things. And yet, you know it. And if you know it, if you can feel it, even a little part of your being, orient to that and make it a priority. And you, as Christ said, knock and it will be opened, period. Like it is, it is that true. That th This has that kind of gravity that you have the birth. It is your birthright. You have the ability to wake up. That's the number one message, ultimately. Probably number two is, and be willing to be uncomfortable some of the time. And you won't be able to decide when that is always. <laughs> But some of some of this comes with discomfort. It's not all discomfort, but to, to to convince yourself it's supposed to be all bliss, supposed to be all whatever, you'll just be bypassing at some point, and and you you may miss some really good opportunities to find what is what does it feel like? What does non-duality feel like in sadness? When there's no body, there's no story, there's no gain or loss. What is that? Right here, yeah that opportunity is there for all of us. So I would say in that order, those are probably my top couple pieces of advice. And the third one would be something like, don't take my descriptions or Adyashanti's descriptions or Muji's descriptions or Patanjali's descriptions or you know, Nagarjuna's, don't, don't take anyone else's descriptions as more important or better than your experience. Not your opinions, but your experience. Your experience should should really be primary all the time. And these pointings, these videos, these people, the writings, the books, all of it, if you resonate, great, awesome. Expose yourself to it, plenty. But don't look at your own experience and go, well, mine's probably wrong because Patanjali said this, right? Don't do that. It's not, um, that's not the point of the pointing by somebody who knows how to point or who who is really genuinely trying to point you to your true nature. Um, trust the immediate, even if it's neutral, even if it feels contentless, you know, don't look at it and go, well, I'm supposed to feel bliss. So something must be wrong. Oh, that's a thought. Oh, there's self-doubt in that. Oh, okay. That's what I'm feeling right now. And all of a sudden presence, right? A deeper uh, experience of presence. So trust your, trust your immediate experience would probably be my third, I don't know, guideline. 
Mm. Cool. So you can wake up, um, trust your immediate experience. Uh, and what was the third again? Well, just be willing to be uncomfortable at times. Oh, that's right. We'll be willing to see it as a school. So mm -hmm. you, can, you can wake up, um, trust your immediate experience, and be willing to see it as a school. Yeah. I love those. Those are great. Oh, those are so great. I mean, next time we talk, we I may have different ones, but those, <laughs> that's what's coming yeah. right now. Yeah. I was I think also the book, really the book points that. are out that way, so. Yeah, I was also just really feeling that also between us. I was feeling like this first episode is a just like a connection point between us, like uh, our first connection point. But that um, every time I meet um, this sort of like awake vibrancy that also knows how to like shepherd itself that seeks like so all of the other self that still seeks uh to wake up so every time i feel this radiance with another self like this feels so good right now and it only feels like uh the beginning of something really beautiful together um that can uh be visited maybe every couple of months like every quarter or something can um revisit together and do a show and just check in on how also, like how we're sharing, how our formation of like the levels or the, um, and how we're communicating those uh, stages to the people that are asking. Um, so it it feels uh, it feels great, bro. And it and and I can tell, like I can always tell, like it's a vibration, it's a signature, um, it's a presence, and it and it feels really good together. Yeah, I agree. At the beginning of the talk, I'm I'm always a, with an interview, especially someone I don't know and so forth. And I and more importantly, I don't know your audience. I'm always a little cautious of like how direct to be because because this can really freak people out. Like this can really destabilize if I push people too clearly, uh, too directly with certain kinds of pointings. So um, as I was talking to you, I can tell you you totally get it energetically and stuff. And and that's why I just assume your audience is basically the same way. So um, so I, I, I'm more app to just talk however it's like when i went on zubin's show like i really taught i had a z dog md i had to sit him down and be like you know <laughs> i didn't sit <laughs> down but I, mean, I, I had to tell him like you might have people in your audience like disappear after this they, they may not enjoy it as much as you do it can be really triggering to some people like i i always, I always feel responsible for for the message in a sense it's a wonderful message but it's it's again it's pointing to something that's a very very powerful potentially transformation in your life. And if you're not ready for it, it's not something you want to be pushed into. So when, when I talked to him initially, um, I, I really was like, okay, we just got to be a little cautious how we introduce it. And he did something he had never done before. He did an introduction before our talk to kind of give people a sense of like, if you're not interested in this, just tune out and watch my other stuff, you know, uh, because, you know, his audience is, is uh, varied, quite varied, you know, a lot of medical people and so forth. But even then, after those talks, I've met so many medical professionals and logical people and scientific people who were totally turned off by spirituality because they thought it felt too woo-woo and so forth. But um, like the directness and the, the simplicity, I guess, with which he and I discussed it. So every audience is a little different. I'm always a little, you know, like 
what do they really want to hear? How much do they want to hear? How directly do they want this? But clearly you, uh, you're good with it. So. Yeah. Well, some of it, um, I would say it's it, to an extent it's, it's twofold where on one side, it's the interest of, um, like the channel itself, like, um, like I love the word channel because of that. Um, it's such a good word. Um, and so um, the interest of this channel or this expression of the one is this. And like, then that's like, that's what it is. That's what it came to. It came to um, exploring entrepreneur happiness, then exploring entrepreneurship, then exploring science then exploring spirituality and then realizing, Oh, I am it. Oh, this is what it is. Ah. And then, yeah. And then, you know, so that, that, that is now more and more. So, the nature of the channel is to like simplify what it is to the rest of itself. And that's what is left. Um, mm -hmm. And there's nothing more like exhilarating to do, but also to like build up the planetary architectures that enable um, basic needs to be met, decentralization to flourish for everybody to actually be able to like spend more time to actually inquire into the nature of reality rather than being so scattered and needing to, um, invest all their time into accruing uh, dollars and basic needs to be met, that kind of thing. So, so there's a, and that's, and that's the uniqueness of, of this channel. Um, and then people do tune in. Sometimes people tune in more towards some of the more science or business or heavier stuff. Um, and they tune, some tune really deeply into only this um, like entheogenic um, really just unleashing the divine or God from within um, more and more. Um, and that's the same thing with you, bro, is like you're in the same boat where it doesn't really feel like you said you have a job. What is your job? Oh, I'm an anesthesiologist. An anesthesiologist? Mm -hmm. Dude, you've been putting people to sleep your whole life. I love it All when right. people fucking say that. That's so funny. <laughs> 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 another uh another person in no limit society um nancy she also is, was an anesthesiologist and so uh, as she was as she was waking up she's like i couldn't can't fucking believe it that um i've been putting people to sleep my whole life um it's just a funny thing mm -hmm. um, yeah it is it is yeah i mean i've always been fascinated um, with like consciousness i suppose uh, one way or another mm -hmm. you know may, mm -hmm. may, may have been an unconscious decision for that reason but um, for sure. Are you also considering going full time into this or how do you feel? Um, you know, I, I like the balance, honestly. I like medicine. Uh, I like, I like interacting with people, um, in, in that way. It's, it's a, it's a way to serve for sure. Um, so I don't really feel moved to, to alter cool. that necessarily because, I have plenty of time to like life is fascinating. It really is amazing what it's done to like open up time for me to do what I've been doing, to write the book, to do YouTube videos. I've been making a video every yeah. day for a few months now just for fun. Um, and I talk to a lot of people who are going through awakening process and so forth. So not necessarily at this point, um, uh, things seem balanced. They seem to, I don't, I don't feel pushed for time necessarily or like I can't do something I want to do that are, or that I'm ready to, to spend time doing. Uh, it's more just feeling into when conditions feel right to 
I don't know, start the next book or whatever. So at this point, things seem good. Nice. Um, I also just got a, an uh, okay to check another area of, uh, of the house. For, oh, okay. uh, well, just because I'm, I know I'm just interested in, uh, in if it, if it actually is the case, I can get a significantly better, um, internet connection in a different room. So let's Let's see if that is the case. Uh, how how is it now? Let's see. Let's just let's just. Uh, see. It's similar, I think. Yeah, well, I can hear you okay. I've not had a problem with your sound, personally. Someone over here mentioned a sound issue earlier, but I uh, I haven't had any problem with your sound. But your yeah, your image just it just freezes on occasion. Uh, and it's kind of pixelated sometimes, but not all the time. It seems it, it, like an intermittent thing visually. And let's see if the bars changed. No, it actually hasn't. Um, so let's see here. Maybe it is just better. Are you on Wi-Fi? No, Are on you on a Wi-Fi connection or? Oh, it's back up to eight out of ten. Um, yeah, I think I'll just. I think I'll go back. Yeah, I am on a Wi-Fi, but uh, that's another thing to to consider. Okay, I'm shifting back. Uh, I think I'm shifting back. So, all right. And then we'll wrap also. We'll wrap here shortly. Sure. Um, we have a, one of my, uh, one of my housemates said that this property has, um, steel in the walls that makes the signal weaker oh wow um, which is which huh. is interesting yeah yeah um <laughs> so so yeah we can just uh we can wrap in this uh and this is also good to know is that when i'm when i'm traveling because normally i've had a for the last like three four almost years yeah almost four years i've had a recording studio in uh in san francisco and in la and so oh, wow. I, yeah so i've been in cali almost almost 10 years for almost a decade and I've, I've almost always had like a really awesome internet connection and studio set up and all this type of stuff and now um, i've sort of created more of like a mobile unit for myself um, and that's a lot smaller and that allows me to be a little bit more nomadic and travel. And so, um, now that I'm working a team on the mission, which is just igniting global awakening for this collective, basically, um, I love it. 
Yeah. So now it's um, the internet connections are also because we're sometimes we move and jump around, and so the internet connections can fluctuate. And so um, that's another thing to keep in mind is that if I do these um, remote ones, is we can also just do them in Zoom and record them and then upload them. And that might be um, saved because the live component is so nice. And I love seeing people's live comments. I love bringing them in. I love the increase also in um, the algorithm for, for being live and whatnot. But uh, in the case of freezing video and occasional freezing audio and that kind of thing, it's not worth it because we want the absolute highest quality of those two things primarily um, because we want to be a good asset so i think moving forward i'm just gonna um when i don't have a little internet connection i'm just gonna record so even for our next episode if i am in a place that does not have a stable connection um we'll just do it on zoom okay fair enough mm -hmm. so yeah there was actually also a lot of good um commentary like you were saying uh it's like people enjoying the episode of it was good to hear from them. Um, yeah, good to hear from everybody. So, so mm -hmm. I also just had for a moment, like my 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 uh, my video audio just became a little bit more also choppy a second ago. Let's see what's the. We'll uh, let me uh, let me move over a little bit again and give myself some call or something. <laughs> Let's see, how is it right now? Looks good, right? Sound is good. Mm -hmm. Sound is good. Okay. Video video is a little low res, but it's moving and looks fine. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I could also. Could also um, see what the, how the internet is out here, and it does. It does. I think it's going to be a little bit better out here. It's a little bit of. Mm -hmm. Playing the internet game. Okay. How uh, okay. how is it now? Um, oh, yeah. How is it now? Sound is good. Picture frozen right now. Fucking weird. Because I'm listening to that. Every every time it freezes, it's like a it's actually like a really cool image. It's like art. It's like art. <laughs> Maybe it's just my interpretation. <laughs> but sound is good. Am I am I unfrozen? Uh, right now you're frozen. It's kind of a blurry image from when you were moving through the hallway. I think. Oh, that's fucking weird. Oh, so there's also probably a stability to it. Like it likes to be in one location. There's probably also like a little bit of uh, um, that that going on. Okay, let's um, let's uh, let's go back to the rooms. Let's see how it goes. I also uh, asked some of the uh, the housemates about just uh, if they didn't need the internet to, to disconnect for a little bit, but um. Sweet. I mean, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really good about our first convo. I'm feeling really good about um, the way it went, the way that we clicked, just our energy, our play together. 
Um, mm -hmm. How we describe it, I think how we describe it is like comes from many of the same like ways of different paths and then bringing it all together into like one like one that can shape shift across as needed and um and just also speak about it very directly to the point um mm -hmm. i love it and yeah it's it was really fun it was so good it was so good it was. yeah And thanks all for coming on uh, an hour earlier, given. Oh, you're um, welcome. What happened? And uh, I really appreciate that flexibility and love. And um, it worked out great because then we could at least go for this ninety minutes. Um, it was it was really nice. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so cool having you on. So cool. Thanks for listening. Oh, also um, for everybody, thank you for tuning in. We love you guys. Thanks for being yeah. On. Thanks for coming. Yeah, we would love uh, if you guys would um, subscribe to not only Simulation, our channel, but also Angelo's channel. Um, you can find that link in the bio below. You can uh, like this video. That helps the algorithm. You can comment below with your thoughts on resonated in the episode. We'd love to hear from you. Um, also, you can check out Angelo's website as well. That link's in the bio below, simplyalwaysawake.com. Check it out. Um, and he's got a bunch of stuff on there, including videos, um, audio stuff, um, some, uh, uh, I think even like some of the, uh, the book is linked. Um, most of the videos are there. Um, so you can find that there. I also put the, the awake, it's your turn, the, the book link in the uh, bio of the video also. Um, you can check that out. And Yeah, go and support him. Go and support him more. Give him the love. Give him the love. Yeah, well, I, I wish everyone. Good. I was just gonna say, I wish everyone watching, fruition. Peace. Yes. So good. Thank you for that. Yeah, 100%. We wish you all fruition, peace, love, joy, prosperity, abundance, playfulness. Spontaneity. Yeah, freedom, baby. <laughs> oh, on a lived, direct experience on a non conceptual level. Yeah, it's so good. Sweet. Um, I'll end the I'll end the call, and then you and I actually stay in the uh, studio for a minute. And uh, okay. thanks again, thanks again, everyone. Uh, much love. Thank you.